You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Hi, folks. Be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. Well, look who's here, standing there with his little tablet underneath one arm and his pencil, and his he's got his little Snuggies on because it's cold outside. Good morning, Dr. History. Good morning, Seb. How you doing? I'm cold. <laughs> global warming is just getting too much. Yeah, did you hear that? Uh, yesterday in Siberia, it was 50 degrees, five zero degrees below zero, <laughs> and they're expecting a high today of minus 31. And California was complaining about 55 degrees. Yeah, and in Arizona, down at Phoenix yesterday, it was in the 20s. Oh, this global warming is terrible. <laughs> Well, we'll just buck up and make it through it. Well, what have you got for words of inspiration for us today? Well, I'm going to talk about uh, what they call the colorful horse thief. The colorful horse thief? Yeah. Oh. What, is it Obama on a paint or what? <laughs> well, it's an interesting kind of horse thief, but a little different than your typical guy. His name was Doc Middleton. Okay. And I'm not really sure why they call him Doc, but that's what we're going to call him. No one seems to know really where he came from, but he kept uh, the good citizens of half of South Dakota and most of Nebraska sleeping with the horses for about 25 years for fear that he'd sneak in and steal them. Uh, in fact, uh, one guy, he said, well, he said, people weren't afraid of Doc doing personal harm to them, but they were certainly afraid of what he would do to their horses. In fact, this guy says, my cousin had a team of beautiful bay mares, and he never went to bed winter or summer until he tied those horses to the doorknob of his bedroom door. Oh, in the doorknob of his bedroom door? <laughs> oh I don't know how he did that, but I, I think it was just kind of a uh, indicating that he didn't trust this guy so much that, uh, you know, he figured he'd better have the horses close by or this Doc Middleton would get them. Hey, let me ask you a question. What year was this? Oh, let's see. This was about 1879. Now, was horse stealing and horse thievery at that juncture in our nascent history, was that, was that still, in most states, a hangable offense? You know, at this stage, I don't know. Uh, but it was definitely a, a crime, you know, that the sheriff yeah. and the marshals and everybody would go after you. Yeah. But, I, you know, not so much uh, hanging, I don't think based on what the story says. Okay, well, go ahead with Dr. Okay. Colorful. Okay, Doc Middleton. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, one guy uh, said, you know, one time they were having a picture, he was having his picture taken with Doc Middleton, and, and he said, I was looking at old Doc, and he said, I don't know why, but maybe, uh, he said, I was afraid he would swipe the horse I was riding. <laughs> and uh, so... Uh, he, and he, this guy also said he was, uh, he was the worst horse thief in the county. But one time, uh, Doc was in his prime. Uh, there was an immigrant family that came through driving a really nice set of mules. Well, old Doc, he see, sees these mules, and 
and his mouth starts watering. And so one night uh, he kind of slips over there where the camp, immigrant families camped and uh, way out on the prairie. And darn if those mules didn't come up missing the next morning. So there that family was stranded way out in the middle of nowhere, and they just had to sit there. Mm. Uh, and this happened more than more than once. But anyway, there, here's this family sitting there. Well, Doc, he took the mules way off and sold them for $400. And one day he came by there again, and there sat that poor immigrant family. And the man offered him $50 apiece for those mules if Doc would hunt them up and find them. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously Doc knew where they were. Uh, the, the immigrant probably thought they just wandered off. Well, Doc felt sorry for the family, or maybe he just wanted to make a little extra money, so... Uh, lo and behold, the guy he sold the mules to uh, came up missing again. Uh-oh. <laughs> so he stole the mules back from the guy he'd sold them to for $400, went back and sold them back to the guy he stole them from the first time for another $100. Okay, now hold on a second. You're going much too fast. <laughs> this is like a Seattle Seahawk-Atlanta Falcon game. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So old Doc stole the mules, okay, right. and sold them for 400 bucks. Right. Then the family that wanted their mules back hired him, and they said they'd pay him a hundred bucks a head. Right? No, fifty bucks a head, so a hundred for both. Okay, so he stole them back, and then sold the people back their own mules for a right. hundred bucks. Right. <laughs> Carry on. So he made five hundred dollars. Uh huh. <laughs> but he helped them out, I guess, uh-huh. so to speak. <laughs> anyway, there was a lot of trouble with horse thieves about that time. Uh, you know, they'd steal from the settlers and the immigrants and leave these poor people out on the prairie with nothing. Yeah, well, what's the difference? I mean, if you're going across Wyoming today in a Volkswagen that doesn't run so good, it's the same thing. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you just well had a horse or a mule. Uh, but anyway, the, the story goes that, that he, this Doc Middleton, he was a good-looking guy and not a, not a bad man, really. I mean, he stole horses, you know, but, but he would give the pioneers a horse if they needed one. Mm-hmm. But, one night, about 1 o'clock uh, in the morning, uh, uh, the story goes that uh, Doc Middleton had a kind of a gang, and this one uh, young boy, he tells about one night, about 1 o'clock in the morning, there came a knock on uh, their door, and this guy's mother said, who is it, you know, and and uh, it was Doc Middleton and his gang, and they said, you know, we're hungry, can we get something to eat? So they staked their horses out on the grass, and when they'd finished their supper, they got up and uh, Doc Middleton, he said, you know, what What do we owe you? And, and the mother said, well, nothing. You, you're welcome to what I have. And uh, he said, you know, you can't live out here on nothing and feed people for nothing. So he laid down a silver dollar. Mm-hmm. Well, the rest of the boys gathered around, and they began to lay down silver dollars. And But one of the guys didn't have a dollar. So he asked his buddy, he said, hey, will you pay for my dinner, and I'll pay you back later. And he says, well, he says, all I've got is $5 gold piece. So... So she made five bucks off of two guys, $5 gold piece. So, mm-hmm. uh, anyway, these guys had come by pretty often, and one evening uh, uh, they asked the lady, uh, Doc Middleton did, he said, did you know who I am? And she said, yeah, I know who you are. You're Doc Middleton. And uh, pretty soon another guy said, uh, do you know who I am? And she said, yeah, you're so-and-so, Jack Nolan. And well, pretty soon they realized that she knew exactly who these horse thieves were. Uh-oh. But, you know, uh, they had a good arrangement. She fed them, and they did their thing. So, <laughs> but, uh, you know, you got to eat. Everybody's got to make a living. Absolutely. Even though but, it's stealing from somebody and then selling them back their own horses. Okay, and, but i got a better story here. Uh-oh. The story goes that Doc was traveling through some sand hills 
uh, on a big black horse and leading another one when he came upon a, an immigrant family. Uh, and they were in bad circumstances. Uh, one of the horses had died, leaving them stranded. They only had the one horse. <clears throat> so the man sat on his wagon, tongue with his head in his hands, and just looked pretty dejected. You know, you can imagine. Well, Doc pulled up and greeted him, and uh, the poor immigrant told him the sad story, and uh, they were poor people, nearly broke, running low on food. And now last night, one of the horses had died. Well, Doc listened a bit, and then he tossed him the rope of the big black, and he said, this black will take you wherever you're going. And he laughed. <laughs> okay. So, you know, so he was, he was a nice guy. Uh, he uh, is re supposedly to have been good with a handgun or rifle, but he would really never fight. Uh, he wasn't that kind of guy. Well, you know, it was well known that he was a horse thief, so uh, one day there was a marshal by the name of Hazen and a posse, and they made arrangements to meet with Doc Middleton and his his gang and decide what to do. Because mm -hmm. uh, Doc knew that the marshal was after him. and But they didn't do anything because Doc Middleton had one more man in his group than the sheriff had in his group. Mm. So they just kind of separated. Well, uh, the marshal, he... Uh, uh, they, him and his gang, they kind of left, but they kind of uh, went around this little hill, and they waited in some timber, uh -oh. waited for Doc Middleton and his group, and they came around the hill, and all of a sudden, the shots started firing, and uh, anyway, Doc Middleton kind of got, he got hit uh, in, in the leg, I think, and the marshal got hit, but neither one of them got hurt that much. Mm-hmm. But anyway, when yeah, you can happened, say that because it wasn't your leg. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it wasn't my leg. Uh, but they, like I say, they were both wounded. But when that, when it got out that the United States Marshal had been shot, why the government sent troops right in and they took Doc East and sentenced him to three years in prison. But he was a good guy, and they let him out in two years and four months for good behavior. Good behavior. Well, when Doc returned, he found that his wife had divorced him and married another man. So he just kind of went with the flow. He uh, just uh, took his wife's sister to wife. Oh, my. That was easy. Keep it in the yeah, family. She was available. Sure. So, yeah. So, you know, that was that was easy. And then he stole their horses. <laughs> <laughs> well, it does say that the father-in-law wasn't real fond of uh, Doc Middleton uh, taking another of his daughters to wife. Uh-huh. Uh, anyway... So anyway, so he got married. This is after that first stint in jail. And uh, and anyway, they uh, got married. They had a child, uh, which they lost, uh, uh, died. And then Doc went to preaching, and he said he was going to show people what God could do for an outlaw. Mm -hmm. so, uh, that went really good for a little while until the railroad came through Nebraska. Don't you dare tell me that he stole a train. <laughs> Not yet. Oh. <laughs> so anyway... Uh, Seeing that there was a little more money involved in doing other than preaching, uh, he stopped preaching and began pursuing money by hauling whiskey in barrels to the section workers on the uh, railroad. Uh oh Now, the whiskey was sold to the workers at 25 cents a drink. Now, I'm thinking that was probably pretty expensive back mm, then. Yeah. And it was probably watered down, too. So, But the cowboys didn't like old Doc too much. And one day they came in and shot up this tent full of holes and... Uh, just, you know, they didn't really like the guy that much. But uh, Gee, what was your first that, clue? He uh, <laughs> actually had a nice family. He had two boys that were well-liked. Uh -huh. uh, but Doc himself, he was always getting into trouble of one kind or another. And 
In fact, one time he stole 300 horses from the Indians. That's not a good move. No, no. The Indians weren't real happy with that whole situation. But the government actually paid them for the horses that were that were stolen, but they were still not happy with him. And uh, anyway, the law caught up with him again, and this time he got 10 years in prison. And uh, anyway, he finally got out. He went to Casper, Wyoming, and he raised pigs, <laughs> and he died in 1913. No kidding. You know, all of a sudden, I just got this uh, sight in my mind of over 300 Indian braves standing there on the desert going, and then somebody asked him what that translates to, and that says, where are our horses who took our horses? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and how did he get them? You know, Indians, you just don't steal horses from Indians that well. Yeah, I mean, 300 head, the guy had to have a lot of accomplices. Oh, he had to. Like, say, and I'm thinking, how in the heck did he do that? 300 horses from the Indians? Uh, you know, I mean, the only thing I can figure is maybe when the, the uh, Braves were out hunting or on a war party or something and nobody was around, maybe they snuck in and stole the horses in. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's not like they had big stock trucks that they went in and just loaded them up, you know. Yeah, I mean, and why couldn't the Indians follow him after they, I mean, 300 horses leave a little bit of a trail. Yeah, I think. <laughs> so. <laughs> so the guy died in 1913, huh? Yeah, yeah. Of natural causes? Uh, well, it, uh, yeah, that's kind of what it says here. But, I'll be uh, darned. I've got a picture of him and... Uh, you know, he's not a bad-looking guy. I mean, uh, I mean, he looks nice enough to me. But, uh, what about the rest of the family, though? I mean, I'm still going to go back to Marion, his ex-wife's sister. That would have been really tough at Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, Thanksgiving dinner would be uncomfortable. Oh, my. Uh, you know, but uh, I guess, you know, you do what you got to do. And uh, she was available. She was young. She wasn't married. And he was out of jail. And... Like I said, father-in-law, according to the story here, wasn't real pleased with that whole uh, arrangement. Hey, by the way, I was going to tell you, Doc, um, and going, everybody's Doc on this program this morning. We got Doc Middleton, we got Doctor History. I am reading a book right now by Matt Braun called Doc Holiday, and oh. what he did is uh, he put everything as far as factual uh, history about Doc Holiday in a fictional form, so that everything that happened, you know, leading up to the OK Corral and everything else, is in yeah. a fictional form. But it's an excellent book, and I just want to refer you to that you know actually you always ask me what i'm going to talk about next week mm -hmm. and i actually have a story uh about the fast draw experts so to speak yeah and and it goes into the fight at the okay corral uh-huh and and uh you know this is a version again of what really happened uh compared with the tv versions that we see so i think next week i'll be talking about uh, those guys doc holiday and the herbs and uh you know uh, and the fast draw people and what really happened well i didn't know that doc holiday the old west gunfighter etc was really a uh, was born and raised in uh, the atlanta georgia area yeah, I, you know, I think I've done a story on him, but it's been so long ago, I, I don't remember all the details. Yeah, and uh, when he learned that he had consumption, which was tuberculosis, uh, he was supposed to be married. Remember that? He had his uh, lady friend that was his first cousin, Maddie. They were going to marry each other. Okay. 
and uh, he knew that he had consumption, which the doctor that uh, looked at old Doc Holliday said, you have less than a year to live, and that's why he left Atlanta with the humidity and everything and moved out towards West Texas and parts oh. in that area. Yeah, I do remember that part. Yeah. Yeah, and he was uh, he was a he was a dentist out there for a while. Did you know that? And right. then then after a lot of people stopped going to him because he kept coughing in their face, uh, literally, uh, yeah. that he took his shingle down and he became a professional gambler. Right. Yeah. 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 He's, that's an interesting character too. And I'm gonna. I think I will touch on that next week on the. Uh, the Earps and uh, Doc Holliday and those guys and uh, the fight at the OK Corral. How much of what you saw on television with like the movies, uh, uh, you know, they they kind of emblazoned in the mind's eye that it was, you know, the guys uh, that were on the ranch, they came in and all of a sudden names escaped me. And Virgil and Wyatt and Doc Holliday and everybody marched down the street to the OK Corral and they had this big shoot 'em up and et cetera. It, it kind of Hollywood took over, didn't it? Oh, yeah. Well, it was the Clantons and the McLowry. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, and uh, like I said, it's been a while since I've seen one of the TV versions, but yeah, they definitely uh, glamorize it, and uh, it really didn't happen quite like it shows on the typical TV show. Yeah. But old Doc Holliday, he had two guns on him all the time, one on his hip and uh, a Colt 45 Peacemaker, and then he had a Colt 41 Lightning underneath uh-huh. his left arm in a shoulder holster, and it was a double action instead of a single action, and that's where he did most of his damage because they thought they were watching his right arm go down to his hip. It didn't. It went under his coat. Bang, got him. Well, it, you know, I was reading another story about the uh, the Colt uh, 45 Russian. Yeah. Uh, and the Colt 45, I mean, there was about three different versions of that gun. But mm-hmm. uh, anyway, you were talking about, I know you've been talking about guns this week and, uh, uh, you know, the, all that that's going on. And I, I did see an advertisement yesterday for a, a gun that Ruger has come out with. Mm-hmm. It's called the Senator. <laughs> okay. It, it doesn't work and you can't fire it. Boy, believe me, that's a truth, too. <laughs> you know, that would be an interesting segment sometime on this program uh, yeah. to talk yeah. about some of the guns. And there was one uh, that preceded the Gatling gun, and it was named after a guy over in France. And I can't remember the name of it, but it was the precedent before the Gatling gun became famous. And it came over to this country, and they couldn't get enough financial to start the company, and then sooner or later, Gatling took over and developed that Gatling gun. We could talk about that sometime, too. Well, and and I think I told you, uh, with Custer uh, and those guys, they had a couple of Gatling guns, but they were back with the, the group that were still coming. Mm-hmm. So they actually had a couple of Gatling guns, but... Uh, they didn't get uh, there in time to even use them. When did the, and wasn't the government uh, slow in adopting the purchases of the Winchester repeating rifle and they still left them use the uh, the carbine, the single shot carbine? Wasn't there a chance that at, before Custer had that infamous attack uh, that he could have had the Winchester repeating rifle, but the government didn't buy him yet? You know, I, I don't remember the sequence. Uh, of how that all took place. I know the the military all had the same gun. Yeah. And that's why, whereas the Indians had about 20 different guns. Mm -hmm. And that's another reason why they were able to 
the uh, the guys with the metal detectors, they've been able to decide where a particular soldier was standing mm-hmm. or a particular Indian because of the shell casings that fell around this particular uh, soldier or Indian. And then they could find the the actual rifle or the uh, the bullet because of the markings on it they knew which rifle it had come from well i can't remember i can't remember the name of the gun that the government had issued as the formal single shot rifle but the famous winchester 73 repeating rifle was out three to four years before custer's last stand and the government had they and it's been said in many many stories had the government purchased the winchester rifle the repeating rifle it would have been a basic no contest at the little bighorn in favor of the american cavalry yeah. Well, you know, you can look back on, on history and, you know, when the even the revolver came out. Mm-hmm. I mean, a six-shooter, all those things. You know, I mean, that, that changed uh, changed a lot, of, a lot of the battles. Absolutely. Well, listen, you are always so well-prepared, and I want you to go to the window right now in modern-day times and make sure that somebody didn't steal your car. <laughs> <laughs> I've got it locked up. <laughs> hey, we got a quick call with a question for you. Call her real fast. I only got one minute left. Go. Uh, it was a Springfield rifle that came out before the repeater. That's right, the Springfield, and it was a single shot, and uh, it was bulky to carry all the cartridges and everything, wasn't it, Al? But the Winchester had come out, and the government didn't buy them. Yeah. All right, Al. Thank you. It was the Springfield. That's right. And by the way, the Springfield rifle, I just saw Do you ever see that show Pawn Stars? Yeah, yeah. Okay. They had a guy walk in to uh, the pawn shop on one of their shows on television with one of the original, they said it had been at the Battle of the Little Bighorn. Uh, of course, I don't know how they proved that or anything. But yeah. anyway, uh, uh, it was the Springfield. Thanks, Al. You're right. But the Winchester 73 was the gun of the future back in 73, but the government didn't buy it. And look at the chaos that it caused. Well... Just hope we don't get our guns taken away from us now, huh? Amen. Don't give them up for anybody. Hey, listen, have a great week. God bless you, and we'll look forward to next Tuesday. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.